Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD podcast, sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's September 21st, 2022, and it is Justin Nielsen, your host. And as always, it is also going to be Arusha Pires joining me. He is a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm, I'm doing well, Justin. It's always great to be here. Yeah. Did you uh, get a little bloodied after the Fed announcement here? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure, today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about low exposure, so hopefully uh, not too bloodied. Uh, it's also great to be welcoming back to the show Tom O'Halloran. He is a partner and portfolio manager at Lord Abbott. How are you doing today, Tom? Great. Justin and Arusha, it's great to see you again. Yeah, great to see you. Uh, so we'll, of course, be getting into the uh, the market action, what what's going on there. And also, uh, we'll get some learning lessons from Tom, the way he's viewing the market right now and why some technical action might be a reason to be bullish. We'll also take a look at some of the stocks that are on Tom's radar. So uh, let's get right to it. And maybe we start with the NASDAQ, Tom. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a tough 2022. And you know, for any trend followers and, and you know, purveyors of growth, uh, it's been a little bit of a tough year. So is this one of those things where you, you know, as a mutual fund, you can't really take your toys and go home. So what do you do uh, in, in an environment like this? Do you go switch into the non-growth and the commodities or uh, do you just kind of stay the course? Uh, what, what's your plan? Well, uh, uh, Justin, our, our investment process is flexible enough uh, to move around. Uh, if we think of risk as a spectrum from zero to 10, with 10 being the most uh, aggressive, in 2020, we would be would have been at 10 or so. Yeah. Um, and then actually, uh, this this bear market that we've been in, I would argue, for at least for the innovation growth names, really began on November 10, 2020, the day that Pfizer announced their vaccine result for covid Right. Vaccine um, day. And if you recall that day, some of the pandemic darlings like Zoom dropped uh, big and they've gone down ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been it's been we're coming up on two years of a bear market in innovation growth names that uh, that I prefer. Mm -hmm. uh, but as that has been happening, uh, we've been transitioning out of them. And I would say we've spent most of 21 and 22 kind of at three or so on the risk spectrum. We'd never be zero or one. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't hold more than 5% cash. We're a, a, a mutual fund. Uh, we manage separate accounts, but but all of them expect that we'll be generally fully invested. Right. Um, and we wouldn't be a zero because we're we're a growth fund. Uh, so right now I'd say we're, we're, we're about a six uh, mm -hmm. because I feel as though the, the bear market has lasted uh, for a pretty long time and many of the stocks that I, I like are down 40 to 80 percent off their high yeah uh, but I'm I'm seeing a lot of bottoming action in in many of them and uh, I'm also seeing uh, for the first time in quite a while some some nice snapbacks mm -hmm. uh, and by that I mean uh, stocks whose price is lifting up through their 150-day moving average for the first time in, in quite a while. And if there are good fundamentals behind that, we're, we're adding to those types of names. Um, I think it's been a huge surprise to most people how, um, how long the inflation problem has, um, has uh, lasted. Um, not quite the transitory that we were originally told, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, not, not, not transitory at all. And, uh, you know, if you think back uh, in March of 2020, uh, the Fed thought that, you know, we might not have a vaccine for three or four years right. and that we could be heading into a Great Depression. And so they, they really pulled out all the bazookas and probably didn't turn them off soon enough. Uh, following the vaccine, following evidence that retail spending was was quite good. Uh, and so there's been an enormous amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus put into the economy uh, since the pandemic broke out. Um, and that's now, you know, coming toward an end. The fiscal stimulus is still happening, mm -hmm. uh, but the monetary uh, is 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 being withdrawn. So so interest rates are being raised, uh, QT is happening. And, um, and uh, you know, while all of this has been happening, supply has not been able to keep up with demand because we shut down the economy, we shut down the supply. 
So we, we have a situation where rates have gone higher than expected. Inflation has stayed higher for longer than expected. But I do think that inflation is in the process of topping out. Um, I don't know if it'll come down uh, as fast as I might hope, but I think mm -hmm. it will come down, um, you know, over the next uh, uh, 12 to 18 months, if not a lot sooner. Um, and uh, so I believe that the Fed is, uh, you know, is nearing the end of its tightening cycle. Um, I think, you know, inflation continues to be what I have my mind on, and that really is core inflation, rent and, and labor. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the rent acts with a lag because you have a, a one-year contract and that doesn't reprice until a year later. So there's some lag there and stickiness. And the labor situation was hurt by many deaths from COVID, uh, people staying, uh, leaving work uh, because they had stimulus benefits. And all of that is going to take some time to, uh, you know, to, to mend itself. But I don't think that we were, I don't think we entered the pandemic unable to get inflation up and that a pandemic is has ushered in a new era of persistent inflation. I, I don't believe that. I think inflation is going to come down. The Fed's going to stop raising rates. And I think they're going to be able to do it without call, causing a bad uh, recession. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm thinking that the stock market is bottoming. And I'm seeing especially some of my favorite innovation names are bottoming. Um, and where I'm seeing snapbacks, I'm, I'm, I'm owning them, uh, initiating positions, adding, et cetera. But, uh, you know, we're still in the bear market. Um, right. you know, every, I, I, I used to read IBD religiously day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, I started reading it when I first began uh, um, with publicly traded stocks in 1993 as a sell-side analyst for my uh, first firm that I worked for, Dylan Reed. And uh, now it's a weekly. It's the very first thing I read on Saturday. And Saturday said market in uh, correction. And when you look at the IBD 50 and you look at the big cap 20 and you look at the stock spotlight, you know, you, there's there's plenty of good stocks, but they're mostly energy. Yeah. Um, there's pockets of strength in healthcare, uh, but they're not the types of names that I normally like to own, like semiconductors and software. Those are those do not look good right now. And I own a lot less of them than I did in 2020. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, healthcare is doing very well. Uh, and we own more healthcare than than we've owned in a long time. I was I was kind of surprised when I look at the top 10 of my developing growth fund recently. Uh, and eight of the top 10 are healthcare names, um, three or four devices, four or five uh, um, biotechs, and uh, and and that that I've been managing that fund since 2003, and it's never been that way. And mm -hmm. that's where our investment process is leading us. And so I, I believe we started off by you asking me how what is my process, and 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 you know my process can be viewed as three circles. Uh, the top circle is an analysis of the quality and potential of a business. The second circle is the operating momentum of that business. And then the third circle is the technical momentum of that stock price. And so at the first circle, uh, what do we mean by, uh, you know, a good business and one with a lot of potential? Well, it has a good business model, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that it is it either is now or can be profitable, nicely profitable. We find it when it's not that profitable and going to be nicely profitable. We can make more money, but we generally like good profitability. Um, and we like the revenues to be annuity-like. Mm. So the more stable they can be, the, the business is worth much more. Then the management is another important consideration. So we want to invest in competent and credible managers by competency, meaning the requisite experience mm -hmm. and drive and by credibility, meaning honest people. I know a lot about that because I'm a former criminal prosecutor who spent <laughs> oh. uh, his 20s cross-examining people. Uh, so, and, so, so you can read a person a little, huh? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's not. It's interestingly enough, it's not always about reading the person. It's about listening to the person and thinking about what the person is saying against the known facts. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know. Uh, but then, you know, we want we want a, a market to be healthy and potentially growing. So, for example, electric vehicles is currently a growing market. We have a lot of, you know, we have exposure there. Um, and then we like the leader. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd prefer to own Tesla versus all the others. They're the leader. I think they'll maintain leadership and I don't care if it's more expensive than the others. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's at the first circle. The second circle operating momentum. Usually that means sales growth and or earnings growth. I would say in a higher interest rate environment, operating momentum has become more important mm-hmm. and earnings have become more important. There's less tolerance now for companies that are not going to earn money until, let's say, seven years out. Yeah. When interest, when the 10-year treasury was at 150 basis points, that's fine. Right. But when the 10-year treasury is at 350, that's, that's not as, as attractive. Um, in a biotech, we often don't have any sales and earnings. So there we're looking at trial results mm-hmm. and estimating the market size as a way to gauge how the operating momentum is going. Do you, and then Tom, the- let me just interrupt you for one second there. So for the biotechs uh, with with kind of the trials, do you adjust for that risk? Or are you just going the smaller position in some of those, maybe spreading it out among more biotechs? Um, we generally um, uh, manage diverse, we're diversified funds. We do yeah. have a 33 stock fund, the Lord Abbott Focus Growth Fund. Uh, that's 33 stocks. Um, but I would say today our large cap growth leaders fund probably has 55, which is mm-hmm. kind of low f- uh, for that. I would say if the market gets better and we start moving down cap, that would be more like 75. Our developing growth small cap fund would have 90. Uh, our micro cap growth fund would have 80. Um, there is some overlap in all of those. And so we have about 250 stocks that we own at any given point in time. Okay. Um, and in biotech, it, it really depends upon um, the stage of the trial. So okay. we'd be more inclined to hold a bigger position if the company is doing a phase three or if the company has gotten approval for the drug and is launching the drug and the sales are good, that would warrant a bigger position. Uh, but we definitely, uh, we have a full-time uh, biotech expert uh, on our team, Samantha Shevins, and she's been doing this a long time and, and works very hard at it. And uh, so we try to uh, take, you know, positions that are as healthy as the market uh, and the fundamentals warrant. Now today, if we look at biotechs, um, they were big winners in 2020. Uh, one of the reasons being that interest rates fell to 50 basis points on the 10-year treasury and biotechs are the longest duration asset equity. So they went up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when, when rates uh, came up a lot off that low level, biotech got crushed. And then biotech had the double, triple whammy, actually. The, the second problem for biotechs was that the clinical trials largely stopped during, mm-hmm. during COVID. And not only that, but the FDA approval focused on vaccines for COVID rather than new biotech drugs. Yeah. So today, fast forward, we've we've already had a lot of the interest rate rise priced in. Um, I wish you know it'd be better if they come back down, but the you know the ten years at three fifty five or so today. And however, the trials have ramped up again. They're going very well. And the FDA is back approving the drugs. So the biotech uh, uh, is an area which is uh, more attractive to us and we own a lot more of it. And uh, uh, the preference would be for the larger cap biotech. But in our small cap biotech, um, as I said, we we have a a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, uh, you were talking about uh, kind of getting back to this whole interest rate thing, uh, you were talking about how you think the Fed may be on kind of the tail end of the hiking. Um, now, one of the things, I mean, we had the 75 basis points today and the, the Fed meeting. Um, a lot of people were, I guess, concerned that there there's still some hiking looking like uh, is being projected out. It certainly seemed like a pretty hawkish fed still so when when you say you think they're at the tail end what, what is your time frame are you looking six months out 
12 months out what what's i i think they're going to be done by by the very beginning of uh by the end of this year or mm -hmm. or or very early january 23 and mm -hmm. i think they go they're they're three to three and a quarter now after the you know they'll probably go to four to four and a quarter i don't maybe four and a half i don't think they're going to go beyond that so that's what i mean yeah, I think the projection from, was maybe 4.6 uh after, yeah, maybe, the, after the fed meeting yeah, something like that yeah yeah maybe it goes there but it's up from 0 0.25 so yeah. there's already been it's already <laughs> been a lot it's already been a lot of shock effect you gotta yeah. you know, using technical analysis as we all do you're always looking for um the uh the reaction of the market today wasn't encouraging but um you know if you remember back to march of 2020 Mm -hmm. uh, the Fed cut rates, the market fell. The Fed mm -hmm. cut rates, the market fell again. The Fed cut rates a third time, the market fell again. Then the Fed said, we're buying high yield ETFs or whatever it was. And the market went up and never looked back. So it's yeah. always a matter of, you know, the reaction to the Fed news, how much is already baked in. And, and we've already baked in a lot of negativity on the interest rate front, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into some of the details of why Tom O'Halloran from Lord Abbott is bullish. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L dot com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. Welcome back to Investing with IBD Podcast, sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with my weekly guest, Arusha Pires, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. And our special guest this week is Tom O'Halloran. He's a partner and Portfolio Manager at Lord Abbott. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of laid out uh, a, a number of reasons why you're bullish. And one thing I just wanted to kind of circle back to, because I think it's it's something that not everyone would expect of a mutual fund but when you're giving the numbers of stocks that you own uh those were some pretty small numbers compared to a lot of your peers um why why are you kind of okay with that more concentrated position and why do you shy away from the hundreds of stocks that that many mutual funds go go for well uh justin we've you know we've always considered ourselves to be active managers and if we have a good idea, we want to have more exposure to make more from it. Yeah. And um, if we're wrong, we can always sell and cut right. losses. I right. think I think that, you know, someone once said to me, uh, ego and emotion are the assassins in this building, in this business. Mm -hmm. And one of the most important things is to be able to take a loss. Um, yes. and, 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 and that's that's all about humility. Um, we're kind of trained to think it's about being right. Um, you know, we listen to the news every day and, and, and we hear all these smart people and they're, you know, they, they always sound like, you know, they're so smart and we're so stupid, especially <laughs> people like me who are inclined to be bullish. The bearish people always sound so much smarter than I do and feel like they're telling me on the, and the tapping me on the shoulder, telling me how dumb I am, but, uh, no, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Um, you know, we're a product of our experience, and I was lucky enough after I left law to start out in investing in venture capital. Mm. And I basically said, "Why is everybody so afraid of taking risk when there is this much upside in equities?" And um, over the course of the past, uh, you know, since then, uh, uh, thirty years or so. Um, uh, the technology revolution has grown more powerful with each passing year. Uh, the technology revolution being measured by the exponential gains in processing power each year that have occurred. So that I look back and when I started at Lord Abbott in 2001 and I, I consider today and today 
a thousand dollars of computing power buys you a thousand a hundred billion times what it bought you in 2001 a human brain versus an insect brain so i believe that the tech revolution continues to be very powerful and is enabling incredible innovation in the economy um, it starts with the semiconductors and the software, which is generating the power. It makes its way to the to the consumer where two thirds of spending is. And it has an amazing the capitalist system, the free market capitalist system has an amazing ability to create solutions that meet our needs at the various hierarchy levels of our existence, the physiological, the safety, the belonging, the self-esteem, the self-actualization. Mm-hmm. It's ushered in things like e-commerce and social networking, which make consuming uh, much better. And we've had huge advances in medicine with biotech and devices and diagnostics. And we have brand new markets opening up, um, you know, the electrification of everything, um, digital money. So so I'm very, very, very bullish um, looking forward over the over this decade and next decade that equities are going to go a good deal higher and uh um and you know but my my, our process which uses technical analysis recognizes that stocks have big cycles stocks go into bull markets they they last uh for the for the big winners sometimes they last 18 months Mm -hmm. sometimes they last as long as four years and then there is um a big bear market um, and when that happens, we like to step aside. You know, Amazon fell 95% in 2000 to 2002. Names like Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, which got taken out, that was a big stock that we owned, mm-hmm. uh, went down 80%, I think it was in 2012. Netflix went down 80% in 2012. So these, these, these stocks, even if they keep going up year after, you know, over decades, they, they have these big corrections. And when that happens, we we like to bring them down but you know but if you're gonna if you're gonna be successful as an active manager um you have to take risk and you got to be able to withdraw risk and so one of the ways you do that is is through some some greater concentration than uh being uh diversified as peter lynch uh used to say in his book one up on wall street so so when when a position goes against you and when when you're hitting your stop losses there have been times where you 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 don't hesitate right you, you know you would think like a mutual fund would oh, let's just slowly gradually move out of the position i was pretty impressed after hearing that there are some times where the numbers are really bad after an earnings report and you're like let's just get out of it yes yeah we're very decisive um i'll give you an example of uh, zoom so so the pandemic breaks out um i have a, f- a friend in the business who's a technician who calls me and tells me that he knows somebody at C who used to work at CDC who tells him this, this is a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. So we immediately buy zoom uh-huh. and it, it zoomed. Um, <laughs> and, to, and to fund that purchase, we sold live nation, which we figured yep. was not going to do very well. If concerts got shut down, that Makes plunged, sense. that plunged 60%. But then on vaccine day, zoom fell from 520 to 420 and we were out. A hundred percent, because we said all of the upside uh, that people were dreaming of is is gone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and you, you were know, seeing it on the chart, too. Right. So market, you, you market, just see- market. Yeah. The market often taps you on the shoulder and says it's time to get out. And uh, and and so, yeah, we we, we are very decisive. Um mm-hmm. In, that in, might not have been a tap, more of a slap. Uh, <laughs> it was a punch in the nose. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, to to your point, you you were decisive. You didn't you didn't kind of get a deer in the headlights like, oh, now we do. Uh, you just made the decision. Hey, That's it's, it's kind of you got to take the ego out of the equation. Okay, yeah. this is not about Tom. This is about the the team of people that Tom works with. This is about following an investment process and trying to make good decisions. You know, there's just important decisions to be made all the time. And you just want to try to make good decisions. And and one of the things that's important is to get a good night's sleep and make sure your mind is rested. I mean, I could spend all day reading about my companies all night, 
and uh, but but then I'd be making bad decisions about the stocks because I'd be cranky the next day. So it's um, you know this is I love what I do. This I, every day I come in is like playing for the Stanley Cup. I played ice hockey in high school and college, and this uh-huh. is so exciting. Every day there's some drama, something to do, something to talk about, and uh, but we we are very we're very active managers, but. Uh, you know, when we see things like uh, uh, the vaccine from Pfizer and a re- and then what followed after that is the Democrats took the Senate. So you lost divided government and that, you know, created more fiscal stimulus and that aggravated the inflation problem. Then you had the war uh, in Ukraine break out. That was unexpected. That aggravated. And so you never know what the market's going to throw at you. Yeah. Uh, but but when it does, you need to think about the implications and then take action. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be you know, I don't I don't want to be you know, our turnover in, in all these funds runs around 90 to 140 percent a year. I'd say a central tendency of about 125. Um, the tax situation associated with that is better than would appear because we're more inclined to let the winners keep running as long as they're running and mm-hmm. taking losses sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so now to that end, you know, you, you kind of had your zoom example, which yeah. I, I think is, I mean, pretty extreme, just like, you know, that amount of a drop and you're just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be any part of this. Uh, I, I'm not going to wait for it to return. Now, what, what about stocks where the, the move is a little bit more gradual? I mean, you were talking about some of these stocks that did come back, like Netflix and Amazon, um, do you do you get out of them while they're going through that major corrective phase? We're talking about the eighty percent drop. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah, you, you just get you, back into them. Yeah, you just get. We we try to get out of them when they're going through that type of phase, and then and and what we'll see is uh, if a, we we look at stocks in four categories, and and one of the interesting things about our team is we have a full time technician, Vernon Bice. Mm-hmm. So Vernon is. Vern's spending 100% of his time on the on the charts. And so we look at the world in terms of four frames. Number one frame is an uptrend. The 150-day moving average is moving up. The stock price is above that. That we That's something we're inclined to hold. If we don't own it and we have a good reason to buy it, we're, we're, we're inclined to buy it. Um, and then there's a downtrend where, where the stock, the 150 is going down. The stock is below that. We're generally inclined to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you do have issues like, um, you do have like the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsoft, which are so big in the benchmark right. that, you know, yeah. like Apple, for example, is 14%. So to be zero in Apple is, 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 is taking a, that's a big, big risk. So right. we don't do that. So, uh, but, but, uh, you know, when this, and, and then the interim steps are an uptrend first becomes a pullback. Where the stock price goes through the 150, and 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 that that puts the risk antennas up. That that's basically, uh-oh, could this could this uptrend be coming to an end? And and often it's not. And so we just say, let's just chill. And 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 the fundamentals still look good. We think this will resume. Uh, but let's you know, if we think there's something wrong, maybe it's appropriate to cut it. And if it keeps going down, then and 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 the 150 starts to curl down, we're on the verge of a downtrend. So that might be what tips us out of a name. Um, and uh, on the other side, a name that's been in a downtrend, when its stock price goes up through the 150, that could mean the beginning of a new bull market. So that puts up the opportunity antenna um, uh, above our ears and, uh, and might be reason for us to, to, to buy it. Now, as I said, we see, we're seeing a lot of snapbacks right now. It's better. Uh, and, and I, I, I said, we use the 150. You could use the 200. We just find the 150 is a little bit better for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if you have a snapback, it would be better if that 150 has come down long enough and is flattening out and the stock price is lifting up through it. Than if it's just gone straight down and the stock price is lifting up through it. So, um, you know, we 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 use the technicals uh, um, uh, as an integral part of our process. It's you know, anytime anyone asks me about a stock that I don't know of or 
I haven't looked at lately. The very first thing I do is let me see what the chart looks like yeah. as a starting point to begin thinking about what to do with it. And so how do you, so, you know, you have a team, you have Vern managing the technicals, you have, you have others managing the fundamentals. How do you balance that out? Is, is it in the end, is it the chart that, well, what if it's kind of like in the neutral kind, kind of place? Is, is there a kind of a debate there that a tiebreaker? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we have we have the three circles as our process. And and, you know, it's 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 very hard to to get somebody who has never learned technicals to stitch that onto right. their DNA. Right. It takes a lot of time and we're very patient about it. Um, I, you know, I have the final say I'm the lead portfolio manager. I. I know that I myself, if I'm really good, will be right 60% of the time. So I hope yeah. the 40% I'm not, the people in the room will tell, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, Matt Tosico has been a portfolio manager, uh, uh, you know, has been with us since 2002. Okay. And he's been my, he, he and Vern and I have, you know, the, the, have been the, the three amigos for a long time. That's and, awesome. Um, you know, we we can finish each other's sentences. So so I would say that, uh, um, you know, we 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 you know, we 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 give we give we give rope sometimes if someone likes a name and it's just begun a snapback. We'd like to see a better technical for profile. Maybe we might start with 50 basis points instead of 100. Yep. To that type of thing. So that makes sense. So again, it's 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 a team. Um, it's a process. And um, and and, you know, with mutual respect and an understanding that that's what it's all about. Everybody is, uh, you know, gets along well and uh, we try to make the best decisions we can as a team and nothing more fun than than winning as a team and right. putting up good numbers. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of circle back a little bit because we had talked about how, uh, again, you're you're focused on growth. And 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 I think that's that's where where Arusha and I fall to. And again, this, this market has uh, been very commodity related. You mentioned how a lot of the lists that you were looking at had a lot of energy, uh, you know, splattered all over it. I mean, for a while there, you, you had the tankers and steel stocks and all of this. So uh, what, remind me again, what, what is it that you do in this environment? Um, and again, we're, we're not quite sure. I feel like the sector rotation has kind of uh, been a little bit tricky to handle lately because even the ones that were working kind of seem to not mm -hmm. be working or it's shifting very quickly. So what, where, where are you putting your money in that regard? Uh, do you just stick with growth that's maybe a little less volatile or do, do you do some of that switching? Uh, we, we definitely don't stand still and our investment process has led us really since uh, the day of the Pfizer vaccine to move toward a more defensive posture. And by that, I mean uh, the search for for uh, operating momentum and technical momentum. And, don't, you know, when we're looking at technical momentum, it's it's not only absolute price momentum, it's also relative price momentum. Yeah. Um, when you're in a bull market, the you know, both are always important. But uh, so so I would say what what happened was as 2021 unfolded, that process led us to own much bigger positions in Microsoft, Google and uh, Apple in aggregate than we had had in 2020. Um, as time went along further, it led us to move into, you know, big healthcare services names and big pharmaceutical names. And we were probably too late to get into energy, but we 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 got into energy uh, with some pretty good size holdings at you know in the f first quarter of 2022, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. So so what happens is the uh, the investment process uh, leads us to uh, relatively better operating and technical momentum stocks uh, as a way to uh, to try to uh, beat them the the market and the peers that we're up against or if that's not possible to lose less to the market, yeah. uh, then, then, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're offensive investors. So I've, I've never seen a bull market that I didn't love to, you know, do a cannonball uh, into. <laughs> um, we haven't had that in a long time, but, uh, or, or any given stock. If, if there's a, if there's a stock that's beginning a, a bull market, you know, I'm naturally and we're naturally inclined to, to move 
into that stock. So our investment process uh, leads us to, you know, better operating and technical momentum, no matter what the environment. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into some of the stocks that are on your radar, uh, maybe some of those stocks that you're looking to cannonball into uh, down the road. So stay tuned. We'll be right back, folks. Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. Welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast, sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host and my weekly guest, Arusha Paris, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. And our special guest this week is Tom O'Halloran from Lord Abbott. He's a Portfolio Manager and partner there. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of laid out your case uh, based on your process, why you're getting a little bit more bullish because of what you're seeing on the technical action. So let's maybe dive into some stocks that you have on your radar right now. And maybe we start with ARGX. And just as a reminder for folks that we do have this on video and you can uh, view that at investors.com slash podcast if you want to see the charts. And Arusha's you know, usually pretty good about marking some areas up. So uh, let's start out with RG ARGX. Um, and this is a biomed biotech. You already talked a little bit about some of these. So what's what's interesting about this stock to you? Yeah, all of these stocks that I'll talk about are names that we have good sized positions in. <clears throat> and uh, Argenix is is a commercial stage biotech. Uh, so they have a drug called Vivgart, uh, which has launched. The sales are exceeding expectations, and it's focused on severe autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And it's from a novel uh, llama, the, the, the llama, the animal llama derived antibody. And huh. uh, and and so this this uh, type of drug has many different applications for it's a pipeline within a drug, so-called. The first one is for myasthenia, myasthenia gravis, which is a, a, a causes severe muscle problems. It's an autoimmune disorder. And um, and, uh, the, you know, they as I said, they got approval for the drug the sales are exceeding expectations so it's got strong operating momentum uh the stock has a has a very attractive uh technical pattern it's uh you know it's it's been basing for uh, uh a couple of years and is kind of now lifting out of the top of that base and so a very positive uh operating momentum situation and a, and a positive technical uh profile mm-hmm so uh, you're, you're talking about the operating part, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking at the the revenue here, and it, it looks like there's been uh, a, a big a big drop in the revenue. Um, do, do you know what what's causing that? Well, <clears throat> the revenue moves around based upon their former drugs and the new okay. drug. The new the new drug is ramping very fast, and uh, some of the older ones uh, uh, reached a peak, but. I'm looking here and, you know, sales were 68 million in 2020 and 551 in 2021. So coming the, the, some of the older drugs are rolling off, but we're, we're really owning it because of the, the new drug, uh, mm -hmm. Vivgart, which mm -hmm. not only has the application for this ailment, but many other autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And uh, Arusha, you have a lot of uh, kind of experience in, in the biology area. And I mean, Autoimmune diseases. I mean, they, they can they can be nasty things. I mean, both both my mother and my sister have autoimmune diseases, and uh, I think that there's a lot of times where these these stocks, you know, are providing hope for for some of these people. These 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 novel drugs, and it's amazing where where some of that can come from. I mean, uh, from, from a llama antibodies. So now the problem, of course, with some of these biotechs. I mean, yes, they do give you that hope, but sometimes the clinical trials don't go right the approval doesn't get there or uh, some some other 
you know, innovative technology comes and and dwarfs it. So how do you how do you manage your risk in this one? Um, what what is it that you have to keep your eye on in order to know whether whether your thesis is playing out as expected or whether there's a dramatic turn here? Well, there's no other company that's that has this approach with this uh, type of compound. Um, the drug's already been approved hmm. uh, for the indication that we just talked about. And the sales are exceeding expectations coming out of the gates. So we'll be watching that. I, I would say the most important thing we're going to be watching is um, is the sales growth to make sure that that is continuing to really be strong. And then they have uh, upcoming phase three for other types of uh, autoimmune uh, uh, diseases, uh, a couple of phase three results coming up at the beginning of next year. So we'll be watching how those trials go uh, to determine whether we want to be as big as we are, uh, continue to be as big as we are in the position size or whether we need to uh, cut it back or, or something like that. So. Basically, right now, we're watching the sales of this new drug that just got launched. We're looking forward to other indications, which would be additive to the new drug. Um, and that will determine the, 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 the future course of, of this stock. Mm -hmm. Any comments on the technical action here, Arusha? Well, uh, the, 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 the immediate thing I noticed is the relative strength. It's really strong relative yeah. strength. I'm measuring against the Aqui um index right here but um yeah incredibly strong right near 52 week highs the price is at 52 week highs and so far you know the the market's agreeing with tom and mm -hmm. his team <laughs> yeah okay uh, maybe we you can know, take if, out... you, if, you, oh. if you look at the intermediate chart this this is as is a nice big two-year base and it, mm -hmm. it has right. recently mm -hmm. kind of taken out the top of that yes uh, yeah, it peaked uh, basically in the first quarter of 2021 and right. looks like it recently got above that level, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of now bumping its head potentially at 400. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see if it can kind of clear that area. Yeah. Um, also in the medical space, uh, maybe we take a look at Insulate. Uh, ticker symbol here is P-O-D-D, -D, uh, definitely known for, you know, their their innovations with diabetes. And, um, you know, it seems like there, there was... Uh, you had Dexcom, you had, you know, Insulate, you had a number of these uh, companies that were kind of changing leadership. Um, what is it about Insulate that kind of sticks out to you, Tom? They have a new pod. Um, the, the pod, you know, sticks on to your hip or, or some part of your body if you have uh, diabetes and it, it dispenses the uh, uh, diabetes into your body with a little pinprick you can't even feel. Uh, when, when I grew up, people had to shoot themselves in the arm daily. Mm -hmm. They had insulin, yep. they had diabetes. So this new pod um, can uh, can connect to the glucose reader wirelessly, and and just automatically dispenses. You're you're walking along, and it will it'll send a message to your iPhone and tell you that it's dispensing insulin. So it's dramatically more convenient that you know you you have a device here that can communicate with the glucose reader and automatically you know distribute that insulin as needed on a real-time basis without you doing anything mm -hmm. uh, that's a big safety risk yeah. um, but the fact that it cleared the fda uh after who examined that very carefully and and now as this is launching uh they're seeing uh, exploding demand for it they can't keep up mm -hmm. and uh the technical action shows you that this has recently entered a snapback, a nice move up recently. Uh, that 150-day moving average is is curling up. Uh, so technically, we're uh, not quite. We're we're almost in an uptrend in this in this name. So you know, we think as as this drug, uh, as this device uh, starts to sell, it will beat expectations, and that operating momentum will be really strong and. It will enable this stock to resume an uptrend and hopefully make new highs. Yeah, one thing that comes to, to mind with this, especially the way you described it, is it seems really easy for people to get their insulin here. So that naturally is going to enable people to be more, uh, to actually be consistent at taking the insulin yeah. and also opening up a larger market, right? So you, it goes back to what we were talking about before, just making it easier for people is kind mm -hmm. of one of those primal type of things that all of a sudden now, if they make it easier for people, they're going to open themselves to a larger market. Mm -hmm. 
And let's not forget, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, a, a safety risk. There's also a huge risk of people that forget to do their monitoring for, right. you know, maybe don't do the calculation right of how much insulin they need. And, right. you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, you know, if you were told there would be no math, uh, that's just not the case, you know, right? And so this is something that's doing, doing the math for you. And, and I, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they did have a partnership with Dexcom. So they, they've got, you know, as you said, it's kind of a one-stop shop. They've got the glucose monitoring and the pump all kind of working together to provide almost like a, you know, a, a, an easy, an easy process of what was a little bit more involved, the pinprick, the test, the administration of the insulin, mm -hmm. rinse, repeat. And, you know, I, I think that was something that was frustrating for a lot of diabetics that they felt like that, that was just their life was always testing pinpricks and, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting those levels right. And as we know, this is a, a large and unfortunately growing market right. for mm -hmm. diabetes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and I, I should say that we do own Pod in, in one of our uh, O'Neill uh, accounts. Mm -hmm. So we did talk about energy. Uh, let's go ahead and just uh, take a look at Chenier Energy. The ticker symbol on this one is LNG. Uh, natural gas has certainly been a little bit uh, diverging from oil lately uh in a positive way uh holding up a little bit better um what what is it about lng in particular uh you know that liquefied natural gas that uh, you you felt was growthy enough to to get some money in in, in there well uh, uh we have an abundant supply of natural gas here in the united states and uh it's much cheaper here than it is uh in europe or japan or or china and so uh, Chenier has the liquefaction facilities that convert the natural gas, which is in a gaseous state, into liquid and then transport it to these other countries. Now, with the war in Ukraine, uh, natural gas prices have just soared in yeah. Europe. And so Chenier um, has extraordinarily powerful operating momentum right now. I'm looking at my Wanda screen right now, and they're going to earn uh, 10 bucks, it says, in 2022, up from a loss in 21, and they're going to earn $18 in 23. And yeah. beside each of those estimates is a green arrow, yeah. which, which reflects the fact that those numbers have been raised. They've been raised a number of times uh, this year, three times uh, pretty big. And and the stock's in a rip-roaring bull market. That's a it's a strong uptrend, and uh, so it it just you know it meets all the circles. There's a big market for liquid natural gas. This is the leader. Mm -hmm. The operating momentum is super strong. The stock price is super strong. So right now we we have a, a you know a very good sized position. But you know should that change, we would change with it. But right now the the momentum here is very powerful, and that's why we uh, we like Chenier. Mm -hmm. How much of this uh, decision is kind of based on, okay, we've, we've got the Ukraine situation. We also have winter coming. We've got these skyrocketing rates in, in, in Europe. Um, so there's a lot of things that could affect that. Um, you know, if, if something different happens in Ukraine, uh, there, there could be a big shift. So how do you kind of, with, with something that has that geopolitical risk, uh, how do you kind of uh, assess that situation that you have very little control over. Well, you watch it day to day, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, <clears throat> I always read the headlines every day of, uh, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Financial Times. I read Barron's every weekend. I just uh, look at Bloomberg News and I, I just try to uh, stay on top of the macro. And mm -hmm. we have a we have a phenomenal fixed income franchise at Lord Abbott and they they have to be on top of the macro more than me. Uh, it's, it's all of what they do. And, you know, we have chats here at Lord Abbott. Um, one of my favorites is the mostly macro chat, which is lit up all day, uh, on <laughs> all these macro developments. So we'll, we'll watch those things. If, if the winter turns out to be the warmest winter in European history, then that would not be good. Mm -hmm. Um, if Vladimir Putin comes across the, the pond and gives Joe Biden a hug, that would not be good <laughs> you know, for Chenier, that is for Chenier. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. let's be clear. It'd be great for the world, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, we watch Get those developments, those, we know those, those risks are out there. Those risks could be what upsets the bull market. 
but you know, right now it's, uh, you know, there's a stock that started going up modestly during COVID and is now probably in, uh, in year three of a bull market. So, um, I think it'll last three or four years. I think it'll go four years, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see if it, things change. We will. Right now, it's in a powerful bull market, and we own yeah, absolutely. We're in a large position here. Yeah, and, th- um, and actually, I mean, th- and these are the perfect types of stocks, right? Where you're you're using the 150 day moving average, you're just riding that trend up, and you're just kind of letting it do its thing, and trying to do your best to kind of stay back, and you just keep keep moving forwards and not thinking about it too much when it's working. Mm-hmm. And and you know when when it stops working, it'll it'll it. My guess would be it might be because inflation comes back down, mm-hmm. um, because the war's over, because um, you know the the supply of natural gas has adjusted, and I'll only be too happy to go back to my favorite semiconductors and software instead. Right. Exactly, but this exactly. is the best place to be. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And, you know, look, just just again, just to remind folks that have been looking at the video here, um, a lot of these are in very different positions than the indexes themselves and most of the stocks in there. I mean, these are these are things that it looks like kind of what correction? I mean, maybe insulate is the uh, the exception there. But even that you've got a very clear double bottom base, you know, uh, on PODD that uh, it it looks like it's coming out of. Uh, So and it's. Again, where it's at in relation to those moving averages is very different from a lot of the indexes and and thus that relative strength that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe from LNG to CMG, let's talk a little bit about Chipotle. Um, I'll, I'll say, you know what, I haven't really eaten at Chipotle that much um, lately, but it's right around the corner from where I'm staying here in New York. I'm in a hotel room right now, and it's just one of those things, right, you can count on. Oh, it's it's right there. It's close. And I, I know what I'm going to get. Uh, and uh, what, what what is it about Chipotle that is uh, making this still on your radar after it's really been having multiple moves up? Well, here's an example of a, of a company that is exploiting the physiological level of the hierarchy of needs. And the food's delicious the food's good for you um the service is is great and uh we bought this on the ipo back in 2006 oh wow, uh, wow. yeah it, it it was uh it it came public at 22 bucks a share well we we haven't been in it the whole time we've been in and out of it yep. um you know a few times during its during its bear markets they had a food scare we that forced yeah. us out of it etc but right. uh right. I'll never forget the. It was trading at a, a $22 at 100 times earnings that year, um, and you know people thought it was way too expensive. And then it opened up at 44, <laughs> first trade, <laughs> went up to 170, and then back to 35, and the meltdown. And now you know then on to 2000. But uh, but it's it's great food. Um, they got a new CEO uh, three or four years ago. He's done a remarkable job, and uh, I go to Chipotle quite often, actually. Um, and I think I've gotten the same exact thing the last 200 times I've gone <laughs> with white rice and black beans and, uh-huh. and corn and cheese. And, uh, and they don't even bother to ask me whether I know the guac's extra anymore. So yeah. I always <laughs> know guac, and they put the G on the thing. So do, do they um, just say the usual Tom? Uh. No, they don't. No, not that they know me, but they just yeah. they used to they used to say, you know, this is extra, and they don't say that anymore. They don't have to, and yeah. they make they must make a lot of money on the guac because it's only not, not that much, right? And it's two two fifty. So uh, here again, here's a stock that's. Uh, that's working its way out of a bear market. It's doing climbing up a right side of a big base and looking good. And this is uh, this is uh, uh, one that did a snapback and is now uh, technically an uptrend because that uh, that 150 has just curved uh, back up. So now, uh, you know, now, sales growth here is. Uh, uh, I'm looking at the uh, let's let's the sales growth in in most recent quarters looks like it's you know nearing 20 percent or so right, and right. the margins are going up again nicely. There's pre-tax margin in 2021 was only 12. It had been as high as 17. So McDonald's uh, pre-tax margin is 35. So this is a company that could get a lot more profitable over time. Earnings growth for 2022 is estimated at 29%. For 23 at 30, both of those estimates are up. 
from the last estimate. So strong fundamental and operating momentum and uh, uh, strong technical momentum here. Yeah, and I should say we, we do own this for some of the O'Neill accounts. Uh, now, now, any concerns about kind of the just the consumer where now Chipotle appeals more towards kind of the middle income, upper income mm-hmm. consumer. But if the economy gets worse and worse, it's it's probably going to bring bring those tiers down too. any concern about that. Or are you just going to let the charts uh, kind of tell you when to get out? Yeah, I'll watch that. I'll watch the economy unfold. Right now, the consumer continues to be healthy overall, although it's weak at the lower end. Um, we're seeing some, you know, misses out of the targets and the Walmarts and others. But, uh, you know, people people need to eat. People need to know the younger people eat better. Um, and this is, you know, this is delicious, uh, relatively healthy food. And I, I also think longer term, they're going to have a good opportunity with robots uh, to chop up the food. And, uh, uh, and, and they're already beginning to put them into their, uh, uh, you know, restaurants. Uh, and uh, so, so one of the reasons I think, you know, margins can go a lot higher. But yeah, yeah if, the, if we, if, if the, if, if, you know, I don't expect a bad recession. I, I think that, you know, there may be a, a recession. I, I don't think it will hurt profitability. You know, the, the S&P estimates seem to be about 220 now, 220 bucks a share for 22 and 23. And maybe those go down to 200. Maybe it goes down to 180. I don't, I don't, that, I don't think that if it goes to 120, that's a problem, but I don't think it's going to go down that much. I think the consumer will, will hold in there. Labor markets are still strong, um, but if that picture changes, and I would we'd see it in the stock, and we'd uh, we'd realize that we should own it as big yeah. as we own it. Well, and there's still a time factor in terms of you know how much time you can save, especially with some of those things that they instituted, where you can just put your order in; it's just waiting right there on the shelf for you. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll just share with you that for for me, uh, I I did try the the garlic guajillo. Uh, <laughs> uh, steak most recently, and uh, that, that's that's pretty gosh darn good. So. You're tempting me to change my usual. Order, but... <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, th- th- that's what I'm here for. You know, we'll we'll turn this into a little bit of a a food foodie show. <laughs> but you know, you make a good point. You make a good point. They've done a very good job with the uh, digital ordering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I love to invest in tech stocks, um, I myself am not that good using the tech. Um, I rely upon my four daughters to, and, my, and my wife. My wife has got the same problem I do, but we rely upon our four daughters to help us with that. But they've done a nice job with the digital ordering. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, really convenient. So yeah. um, maybe we just go ahead and go uh, full technology and futuristic uh, Tesla. Uh, we can end on this note, um, ticker symbol TSLA, of course. Now, you know, it had such a phenomenal move again. And in 2019, 2020, um, you know, 2022 has been a little bit rougher. Uh, is is this time for a comeback on Tesla? Yeah, we, uh, you know, we. I'm, I'm pulling up the long-term chart on the the the, the, the short-term chart on Tesla looks good. It it has just done a snapback. It is in the midst of doing a golden cross where the 50-day is rising up through the 150. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look a little longer term, especially on, on a monthly, we can see um, we, we had, uh, as you say, an enormous move up in, uh, in 2019 and 20. Um, and uh, we had an enormous move up back in 2013. Right. And uh, uh, we, we, uh, we owned it back then. In, in pretty good size. It was a 10 bagger. And, uh, and then it was, then it was a bad stock from 2014 until October, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I walked in here one day and it was up 25%. And mm-hmm. I said, what's that all about? That's a very big move for a large cap stock. Mm-hmm. And Steve Wartman, our, our, uh, industrials and consumer guru, uh, said, I'll dive into this and came back at the end of the day and said, these, these sales and deliveries are really ramping up like they haven't in a long time. And this fundamental operating momentum is all of a sudden really improving. And we got in that afternoon or the next morning. Wow. 
and then uh, then we had a you know after that enormous run up we had a we had a big pullback in this name right we got up to yeah. uh, we got up to twelve hundred uh, and we came all the way back or four we split here we split yeah that was right. before right, split right, right. right. So we, this this went up to four hundred it was a three for one split that's right mm-hmm. we went from four hundred down to two hundred here right so we had a fifty percent correction yep and as that was happening we lowered the position size. Um, and then as it started improving again, we built it back up. Okay. So I think this is the, uh, the, the, you know, this is the big stock for the, uh, for the first half of the decade and maybe the decade, uh, because there is just a, uh, uh, an enormous demand for electric vehicles. Um, um, some legislative, huge legislative push behind it in the interest of, climate change and cleaner air. Um, but there are many hurdles. Um, do Are we going to have enough lithium? We own a lithium company. We own a couple of lithium companies in the portfolios. Are we going to have enough lithium? Are we going to, are the batteries going to improve enough to make it more efficient? Um, are the, uh, and things like that. And, and, and we don't know. And we could get to 2030 and not hit the targets that, that we are aiming for. Um, but the stock might go up a lot in 2022 to 2028 before that becomes evident. Uh, uh, so, so let's say, you know, I, I, I think the, the drop of 50% is enough to restart a new bull market. So, um, I think Tesla's begun another, yet another bull market. That's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, if you if if we look at the uh, the fundamental block, their earnings are going to grow eighty percent in twenty twenty two and yep. forty five in twenty twenty three, and both of those estimates are up. Um, I look at and the not up- small numbers. I mean, that's yeah. four dollars per share for twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, it has a it actually has a multiple, and uh, and that multiple is is you know above market, but it's you know it's not you know it's not. It's not N.A. So, uh, you know, we're we we Tesla is a top five position today. And, uh, you know, I I think that it's way ahead of the other electrical vehicle makers, uh, way ahead from many perspectives in terms of its uh, supply chain, its ability to manufacture its brand name. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very I'm a big Tesla bull. Mm-hmm. And it's acted, it, it's been very resilient over the last couple of months. While yeah. a lot of these other tech stocks have gone hit, I've been very, very impressed at how well Tesla has hung in there. Yeah. So if you look at that squiggly relative strength line below yeah. the stock price, you can see that it's 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 91 now and it's yep. lifted up nicely o- over the recent time period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as we've learned, you know, time and time again, it's these stocks that are holding up well the ones with the best relative strength those are the ones that do tend to become leaders uh in the next bull cycle so if one Mm -hmm. is truly around the corner as you as you suggest then uh this is this is where we go do our fishing right i think yeah absolutely i think i think the power of the technology revolution is greatly underestimated I think not only in terms of its ability to generate growth in uh, for companies, but also in terms of its deflationary effect. Um, and I think that the 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 quality of businesses today is greatly underestimated. They are much, much better companies than they were uh, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I'm 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 very bullish on our strategies. Um, I know that we've been in a in a very difficult bear market. I see signs that that uh, is that they're the market's bottoming. I see stocks beginning to show relative strength. Uh, the types of stocks that that I like. Um, we've talked about five names here. None of them are in tech yet, uh, but I would expect if we talk six months from now that we'd we'd have uh, some tech names back in. Yeah. Um, in the portfolio. Well, maybe if we see a big turn, we'll have to have you back on, Tom. We really appreciate you coming back on the show uh, today. It's always good to hear your insights. And again, Lord Abbott, of course, is one of the members of our IBD Mutual Fund Index, one that we've been uh, following for quite a while because uh, you guys are looking at kind of the same stocks that we do. So we appreciate Absolutely. you sharing your insights. 
Hey, it's so great to see you, Justin and Arusha, and thank you so much for having me on. Oh, a pleasure. The pleasure is all ours. Okay. Well, thanks again, Tom, for for being on. And uh, that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Uh, Next week, it's going to be a little bit of a we time. Arusha and I are going to chat a little bit, um, not just about our fantasy football uh, woes, but uh, also uh, about what's what's in store for the market and uh, where things stand now that the market would have had some time to digest these most recent uh, rate hikes. And we'll see what that holds in store for us. We hope you join us next week. We'll see you then. Take care. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.